if I could, <laughs> cheers my teacup in today's incident. Actually, it's a mason jar. If I could cheers with another person, I would right now because today's episode is quite special and really needed for the times of change that we're in right now. I found a fellow sister quite recently, actually, and um, not only do we share the same line of work but there's just a resonating sisterhood that i feel between us and her name is carly ketron and she is a recent graduate of the california school of herbal studies and gathering time herb school she is applying the knowledge that she has learned to her love of teaching through her podcast called the wise witches medicinal plant podcast and her social media platforms because her heart's work is leading her to ensure that herbal medicine is available to everyone. She currently lives in Mendocino County, where she is assisting her partner in the development and production of a permitted regenerative and organic cannabis farm. How awesome is that? Along with the sacred medicine of cannabis, she is building an herbal medicine oasis and hosting space for her budding apprenticeship program. Carly loves to spend time in her kitchen, making medicine, whether it's food or a tincture, playing in her garden, and is in her most purest state of joy when she is fully submerged into a body of the earth's water. You can find more of Carly's work on Instagram at the wi- the Wise Witch, which I will link below. Um, I'll also link her website www.wisewitchwithay.com. You can also find her at Patreon at patreon.com/slash/thewisewitch. And her podcast. She also has a podcast too. Like I mentioned, I'll I'll link it in the bottom. Um, and there are episodes available. Um, through iTunes and Spotify. So without further ado, let's have this herbaceous conversation. Hello, plant lovers. Welcome to another episode of Herbaceous Conversations with a Silly Herbs and Botanica. I'm your host, Gloria, and this is a space to delve into the knowledge of plant medicine, a spotlight for African botanicals, and to empower you with practical and applicable information to enhance your well-being. For more information, please visit backtosilly.com. Hey, Carly. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing. I'm yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Um, Taking it day by day. Yeah. But I am Mm -hmm. doing well. Good. Yeah. Um, So we have talked extensively before. And you're pretty, I'm just going to say right now, like you're, you're really down to earth. And I wanted to bring on the podcast um, just to have a conversation about herbs in a different regard. And I think this is a a much needed conversation that needs to be had actively. Um, And yeah, so to get started, um, just warm things up. I, I, I normally do this 
I normally ask these set of questions at the end of an episode um, for just for something different and um, to warm up the conversation. Um, I'll ask these questions in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So for you, what would you consider your plant guide to be? I think it's Rose. Um, Yeah, roses have always been a very strong presence physically. Like when I was a little girl, I I remember running through my grandma's garden and just smelling her roses and being with her roses. And um, it's also that heart medicine. you know, I, whenever I picture the medicine of rose, I picture a really like open flower and in the sense of having a very open heart and a layered heart because of all of those layered petals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the thorns of a rose uh, regarding protection and as a constant reminder that you also have to protect your heart, especially when it's open. Um, and I also, I love the taste of rose. (laughs) I absolutely just, I love it. And it's, I love that it can be used for just about anybody. I think the only exception, the only contraindication I've ever really heard for rose is if somebody has some sort of trauma around the plant. And so obviously it would be very personal in that case, but I love that it can be used for children and adults and you know, elderly people and sick people, autoimmune, immune deficient. Um, yeah, just the rose medicine is, I've taken like, or I took a quiz on Mythic Medicine's website. She has like, what's your plant ally? And it was rose and that was like so confirmed. And then I did this little plant ally video series on my Instagram. The first one that I ever did was rose and yeah, there's just something with that flower, that plant, that being that really guides me, I think, through my herbal, my herbal journey. Amazing. And, you know, you said something really important, you know, having that balance of being open, but also protecting yourself. Because mm-hmm. it's really easy, especially as a healer. Um, you know, this is a work that you're called to do. Right. And... Um, people need your guidance, um, your formulations, whatever you have to offer. So it's mm-hmm. easy to keep on flowing in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important to remember um, to nourish yourself. Yeah. Regard. So yeah, that's pretty neat. Rose. Yeah. I love Rose. Just mentioning it, like I can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you- and that's another thing. It grows all over the world. It's cultivated all over the world. It's it's prized. All it's known. You know, everybody knows the rose, right? And everybody knows that it's a symbol of the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say the folklore behind it is really deep as well. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, all right. Do you want me actually? Do you want me to answer these questions as well as I ask them? I would love that. Yeah, okay. You know, it's hard to um, pinpoint what it is 
mm-hmm. because it changes every so often. However, I think like the ultimate overarching plant guide that um, is in my life, I would say is lavender, mm. actually. And I say this because, yeah, and you probably can relate, like, you know, some, you interact with so many different plants and sometimes you're study one particular plant at a certain time. However, there's one, like you said, that's a reoccurring theme and that's lavender. And that's been yeah. especially reoccurring for me of late a lot. And lavender really, um, especially with this energetic side in regards to the mind heart connection, mm. if that makes sense, um it really helps in regards to balancing me out um and you can see that also too in its compounds the never-ending constituents yeah and i'm still (laughs) i'm still learning um yeah i'm yet that you are (laughs) it's a lot yeah i'm in the final stretch of completing my bachelor's and it's it's overwhelming (laughs) sometimes But um, you get to see, like you said, and you can see patterns too once you, you can, you'll recognize them. All right. So the, okay, so the second question, um, in regards to the future of herbal healing, what are you looking forward to the most? I think what I really dream about and I think work toward in in what I do is around accessibility. And when I say accessibility, it's in the terms that every human being on this planet has this knowledge and that it's reclaimed so that people can form relationship with the earth and an intimate relationship with the earth and that intimate relationship of reciprocity so that we can feel balanced because if we want our collective consciousness to be balanced and to to reside in equilibrium then our own individual ecosystem that we live inside of this human body also needs to know balance and and equilibrium. And that's through what we put into our bodies and looking at like all plants as medicine, not just the herbs like rose, lavender, skullcap, oats, you know, also like carrots and celery and beets and rutabagas. Like all those plants are medicine for our bodies. And yeah, that's, I, I would say that's my, that's my dream is for people to reconnect with that knowledge and then apply it to their own lifestyles. I agree. Balance. I like it. I, I think it's really needed to be quite honest. Um, looking at where we've come from and like, you know, historically in regards to healing in general, the evolution of that 
Um, right now we're heavily, heavily on the scientific side, which isn't a problem. It's important for us to understand plants and how they work in that aspect. Um, but like you said, to have that balance in between. Yeah. I agree. And I would say even further, I know for me, um, <laughs> the children are speaking. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I definitely agree to that aspect. Um, and even further, um, I know for me, I'm definitely looking forward to the merge of the sciences and yeah. the energetic world that merged to happen. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think it is happening, to be quite honest. But, um, yeah, just to see how, you know, other, you know, herbalists and other practitioners are just urged to or inclined to learn more about this whole other side to plants it's really fascinating and I'll have these conversations even with my mom who's a nurse practitioner and she's very like mm. just rigid on the science um, but I'll challenge her sometimes to look into different things and you know just in that regard I've seen this evolution and change within her Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> Riona has also seen it mm -hmm. <laughs> first-hand witness <laughs> um, no. yeah, I love that I, Go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say I appreciate that because when it comes like out of all of the things of my knowledge of, of plants, like the science is the least <laughs> constituents are vast and never ending and complex. And I, I know a handful of them, but I know that that's a deep, deep, deep dive, but it's also the deep dive that's going to actually prove quote unquote, what people have been saying and, and doing for centuries, if not, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The final question, and we can dive into our topic of discussion actually with this question, is um, how do you cultivate herbaceous conversations in your community? It really just depends on which community I guess I'm, I'm thinking about, because I have my school community, and even there I have kind of like two subgroups, because I was in two different classes, and they weren't the same people in the classes and well even three um and then when I also think about community I think about my family and my friends and I think really I've just made it abundantly clear that I worship plants <laughs> um I'm fully submerged in them I'm also a farmer so I work in the dirt every day cultivating and um, actually like conversate like conversing directly with the plants as well 
And I think that this conversation or like the conversations are, are ever evolving. And part of that is also <laughs> uh, part of that is also the way that my own voice and my own heart, like my throat chakra is opening for me to be able to speak my truth more. I think, and you mentioned those hubs of communities. I think that's really a testament to um, how plant medicine at the heart of it, it starts, it starts in your home. It starts with your neighbors. And it varies according to how you can approach it, you know. Um, like you mentioned, you're a farmer. So that could be just educating others on how to grow certain things or sustain their lifestyle. Um, it could be um, letting others know how to formulate things or even offering them different formulations. So it looks yeah. different ways. And I think we have a challenge as herbalists to be more active in that part, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm not mistaken, we left off of um, how to show up in our communities as mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we do have really good examples of it I think I just found um like there I've seen them all over the states but I've actually I haven't seen them at least close to here and mm -hmm. to like mobile clinics where people can mm -hmm. come and do certain things um they even have classes now too in regards to first aid Mm -hmm. and getting that assembly together yeah um so I thought that was neat when I found that yeah. resource and I always try and inform people too because sometimes people just don't know just like I I didn't know when I found them so I was just like hey here's this use this as a reference point mm -hmm. yeah I have a, f a friend from school last year we each had to do an independent study project and their project was building a mobile clinic for the encampments in Oakland and East Bay, but predominantly Oakland. I know that they lived in the encampments themselves for a period of time. And um, there were just times when the city of Oakland went through these encampments with bulldozers and like killed people. And it wasn't on the news. It wasn't you know, it wasn't spoken about. And so they really brought that drive and that, that framework of passion into our class and really helped me start to see active herbalism in a different way. But I really, really admire their clinic because of the way that they've chosen to like build their apothecary. It's all through vinegar extractions. So vinegar is obviously, you know, inexpensive. It can be bought with food stamps. Um, it's accessible to everybody, anybody that has alcohol issues, children. It's, you know, it's really a great menstruum. And as I said, like it's available for food stamps. So all they need to do is offer somebody plants. They can give them bulk plant and be like, hey, go buy, you know, go buy a little bit of apple cider vinegar and some honey if you want to sweeten it up a little bit with your, your, your card that the government gave you with the money that you use to buy your groceries and like continue your medicine journey. Right. And yeah, they, 
they've even shared stories of how like there was a mother and daughter there and the daughter saw how much that the herbs were helping her mother that she felt inspired to to go into the path of herbalism and like learning about the plants and learning about the body and how it works and so yeah that Sam Sam Raridon is their name and and they just yeah I just wanted to to name them and and give applause for the work that they're doing and the way that they've inspired me to think outside of the box outside of my bubble <laughs> of of a community you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's awesome which you know and that can be challenging to do when especially when you're <clears throat> a certain way um to do certain things like you said in formulation making i know vodka is probably like you know the staple the staple um Mm -hmm. solvent but there are so many Mm -hmm. um things that you can use so yeah that's awesome yeah Mm -hmm. um yet that'd be awesome to see that in action yeah i we don't we don't have one here um but we do have there's a um a homeless shelter that's really community-based we've had we have mm-hmm. a few which is awesome so people will go and donate a few things uh, yeah which is awesome and so i encourage because i'm not the only herbal maker here so i always encourage yeah. other people in town hey if you have extra supplies um or salves and things uh, send them over send them over mm-hmm. yeah I've been thinking a lot about that lately in just what's happening. Um, we had classes in school about first aid and one of the teachers asked us to raise our hands, like how many of you feel like you wanna do first aid work? And it was a very immediate answer of knowing for everybody. And for me, I don't feel called to first aid work. Um, for a various number of reasons. And I think part of it is that my life just isn't leading me down that path. And so if I don't wanna, if I don't feel called to be in that position, then how can I support those people in those positions? And for me, that's about medicine making and offering the the excess of what I'm growing and even trying to grow in abundance so that I can offer more to the people that are out there with the people you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. Not only to mm-hmm. step into your purpose, but doing so from <clears throat> a place of authenticity, because people yeah. see that too, and it reflects in your work. Yeah. So being able to give in that way and being able to listen, because I'm pretty sure in that class you saw, you know, everyone raising their hands, but being able to discern, you know, what you're seeing, people mm-hmm. expressing their passion, but, right. you know, making sure that whether or not that resonates with you. That's, that's awesome. And that's the first, mm-hmm. um, really, to doing work on an impactful way. Everything that's going on, um, I think plants can also offer like a stabilization. Yeah. Cause literally with every, it feels like, and I, I tell people this, it feels like it's, or it looks like Babylon is burning in a sense. Mm-hmm. 
the fall of, you know, um, huge um, empires. I think we're seeing that. And it can be scary mm-hmm. to see. But yeah, plants, you know, they offer, they offer so much. It's a, it's a mutual exchange, of course. Yeah. But they do offer so much. So in regards to um, herbalism and community work, there's that. Firstly, I think it offers that stabilization because there's a lot of um, just a lot that goes down in these communities that are where resources are limited and it's really a fight for your own kind of mm-hmm. world, which growing up, I heard about it, but I wasn't in that community. But mm-hmm. uh, now that I am in that community, I can see it for myself. And it's a total, it's totally different, like knowing it versus living in it. Yeah. And it's really, um, it's really opened my eyes as to what's needed, what's actually needed versus what's portrayed as people need, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because you get to talk with the people and understand their needs in that regard. Um, so, yeah. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, stability. And then another thing that plants too um, can offer is... Um, really being in tune with your identity. Yeah. And this resonates a lot with the message of, um, and I'm sure you've seen it, of, of the hashtag um, decolonization of plants. Yeah. I think that's really what's at the heart of it. Um, and you, and yeah, I can see that because lately I've been studying the plants that are here in this region mm-hmm. and how they're deeply intertwined with, the culture here of the native Mm -hmm. and the africans that came from west africa you know the Mm -hmm. uh, the gully the gulliga that here in um south carolina so um yeah to see how that is deeply intertwined with the culture here Mm -hmm. that can give light to people to as a way you know as a way to navigate their own understanding of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess with all of that, I mean, I want to say, I guess initially it felt like connecting with ancestral plants as a form of decolonization, but also connecting with native plants as a form of decolonization and connection doesn't necessarily mean harvesting. It means more just like acknowledging and, you know, here I'm surrounded by oak trees and manzanita trees. And I know that the native people that lived on this land for centuries before me were surrounded by the same oak trees and manzanita trees. And somewhere along the line, the knowledge was passed down that manzanita has these actually both of these plants have very strong astringent qualities and they have antimicrobial properties and they can be used for various purposes 
and I don't necessarily have to use them to know that they can do that for me. I can just acknowledge them and be grateful that they can offer that to me if I'm needing it. And yeah, I, I guess just within that conversation, it's kind of making me more understand why there is a pushback on wild harvesting and why people really don't want colonizers to use their native medicines. And it makes me feel like I want to challenge myself to really focus on things that I can cultivate or, you know, volunteers that show up in my garden, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, what you said was profound. The acknowledgement in itself, you can learn mm-hmm. so much. You don't necessarily have to ingest or mm-hmm. partake of the plant in that manner. Yeah, which is also, yeah. And I, yeah, I totally relate. I encourage people to do these plant meditations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a way of connecting with plants. It's profound. It's profound. With them, yeah. Walking amongst them while they're... Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the acknowledgement. And, yeah, the harvesting. I see that here a lot, especially with ginseng. Mm-hmm. The Appalachian yeah. Mountains. Yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot because, of course, you know, ginseng, it's a, qual- it's a quality plant. Yeah. You have to recognize where that line, it's a fine, fine line between mm-hmm. a respect for the land and your benefit. Right. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, it's a mutual, it's a mutual exchange. So if that mutual exchange mm. isn't met, someone's going to suffer. Right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times it's the plants (laughs) that suffer in in that circumstance because they don't they don't have control in the ways that we do. Like they have intelligence and they have the ability to influence our vibrations and our energies and you know situations that take place in our individual lives, but they don't have the control when somebody's coming to harvest their root, which is going to take the whole life of their plant to say, no, don't do this to me. Or to really like dig their deep, their themselves down so deep that they can't be penetrated and taken up. You know, it's like, yeah. And, and the whole ginseng conversation could go really far and into many other rabbit holes and take us to a lot of different herbs that are being treated in the same way, a lot of different plants. And I think ultimately those people that are doing that aren't herbalists. Uh, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have And if they call themselves an herbalist then they need to reframe what that means, you know? Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. (laughs) It's because we have responsibilities with this, with, this label, this, you know, title that we hold. Like we have responsibilities to be earth tenders and earth protectors 
and that includes people Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that includes water and our air and fire and all elements and beings that reside in this plane with us. It is our duty to regard all of it as sacred. Yes. <laughs> Present. Yes. And. You know, thank you for saying that because I've been feeling, I think the reason why I, I really want to like put my foot down in regards to African plants and herbs is because I see that, especially in the industry, like people going there, you know, um, to stay there for a while while they're, you know, connecting with the people and knowing about these plants, um, which is fine in that regard, but to the point where now aloe, for example, you can't mm-hmm. list, you know certain species because they're now becoming endangered. So when that happens, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Us as herbalists, we need to. Um, I think also, yeah, we need to. I think yeah, education in that aspect is then really needed because people need. Mm-hmm. To know. Um, what that actually means in regards to connecting with plants entirely. What do you feel like the communities need? Like you had said that when you get into the communities and you actually start talking to them and you listen to them and you hear their needs, what do you, what do you feel like there was a theme that came through or do you feel like it was very individual and can you like share some specifics? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to give any specific, um, <laughs> you know, engagements. However, right. I'll just give I'll just give an example. Um, how do I put this? <laughs> Um, I had an encounter here in the neighborhood, or I've seen it a lot actually, but I've had one encounter where in conversation, this woman felt like she was obligated to um, continue a pregnancy. Hmm. And you see that a lot. And even growing up, because I've explained this to you, yeah, I grew up in this in the same area. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm back. But when I grew up, I didn't live in I didn't live in the hood. I lived right. up the uppities, <laughs> uh, to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, I was made fun of it. But anyways, that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. So now that switch that's happened, you know, from living one way, as my husband likes to call it, privileged, <laughs> versus now we're. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so this encounter, um, I saw it growing up in middle and high school, um, teenage girls being, um, how do I say, really in tune with their Lilith side, <laughs> um, with their Lilith aspect. I love that. I love, I was, love that. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a matter of how are you going to utilize that. But anyways, yeah. so... um. 
yeah, I was seeing that. I was seeing that a lot. And you know, with that, they were. Um, I had friends who would become pregnant, um, and go through that ordeal of whether or not you want to carry this child or not at this young mm-hmm. little time that they're in, in their own lives. Mm-hmm. So of course it's a hard decision. Um, and most of the time, the only resource you have is going to Planned Parenthood because, you know, in the case that you don't want, you decide you don't want to carry, that's the only choice that you do have. Um, which, you know, Medicaid does care, does cover for it, <clears throat> but not everyone, everyone doesn't have health insurance. Mm-hmm. However, um, so seeing that and then actually having this latest encounter with someone who was in that, that exact same situation. Um, it's hard sometimes because you, especially in that instance, um, <clears throat> you don't want to impede on people's choices, really, right. their freedoms. However, education does help so that way you can make yeah. more informed decisions. So in the case of women's wellness, there is a huge, you know, I don't know the statistics on it, but there's a, there's a lot of abortions that go on, especially in the black and brown communities. There's a lot. Um, and those abortions, people don't know. The doctors don't tell you because you're in there, you get the procedure and you're out. They just make sure, yeah. they just tell you, um, you know, give you some pain meds, um, tell you you may experience bleeding for this amount of time. And if you have any issues, call us or your healthcare provider. And that's it. Right. They don't tell you the long-term effects of um, abortion and what it does to your womb. Yeah. Cause, and sometimes this will happen on several occasions. Um, so it's not just one abortion you're talking about. There are several of them. So that affects long-term. You know, that increases your chances for so many different illnesses, diseases within the woman's body um, that ultimately can um, really impact your fertility. Mm. Um, and so people, yeah, people don't know that, um, especially in the black and brown communities. So being able to bridge that gap of misinformation, or I wouldn't even say misinformation, just information that isn't disclosed properly. Right. Um, I think that's the main issue. And that's, that's just Mm. an example um yeah. yeah and I had to let her know hey you have different options than just you know this or that there are so many ways that you can maneuver it but yeah right well I, I feel like that um that conversation I guess can be applied to every piece of the body in regards to the medical system. <laughs> oh yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. I talk about this with my mom. I talk about this with my mom a lot actually because she's there and she sees it. She doesn't tolerate it. <laughs> to be quite honest, I really right. wish more nurses like my mom because yeah. It will she doesn't care about the time because <laughs> you know there is that limited limitization when right. you're amount of clients there is that time constraint. However, she doesn't limit herself, um, which I mean, she does in some regard, but you, 
there is a sacrifice when you do that in that on that aspect because of course mm-hmm. you sacrifice a little bit of time you may spend an hour or two of your weekend doing some charting following mm-hmm. but you have to ask yourself at some point like is that time going to be worth it in the long right. run for the people right. that you're seeing right and are you doing this work to help people or are you doing this work for a paycheck exactly exactly yeah if there's yeah. an hour or two on the weekend that you're not clocked in and you're adding, you know, adding extra work, that means that you're doing it for the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think, yeah, systematically, this is, this is a reality check. Definitely a reality check. And then for the healers, the herbalists, especially, it's our challenge now to bridge that gap. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I was going to say, even in the herbal, even in the herbal community, it can, it can be easy as well to, you know, once you've established yourself to just do your own thing um, without regard for your community. However, you have to ask yourself that question at one point, why are you doing what you're doing? Like you said, yeah. And how are you giving back ultimately? Yeah. So there's that aspect, and um, uh, there's just, I was going to say there's so much, but at the heart of it all, people just, people just want um, support, Mm -hmm. love, and Mm -hmm. accountability. That's Mm -hmm. really what it comes down to, regardless of whether or not you didn't grow up in a home where your father wasn't there and he wasn't present and that emotional, um, you know, influence is there for someone or whether um, you just, you're, you, you were just the observer, the young kid that saw everything. Right. So many different scenarios, however, at the heart of it is really just support and love um, for the community. And that can definitely be offered um, you know, as an herbalist by empowering others with, I wouldn't say solutions, but avenues to journey through whatever they're going through. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's a challenge for sure on both ends. And I do want to clarify, well, I don't know if this is going to be on the podcast or not, <laughs> but since we're on the topic, <laughs> um, I think what's going on right now, like the rioting in its right is okay. However, to make someone mm-hmm. feel bad about something else is not going to help, you know, Mm-mm. the cause. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't help. Yeah. So we have to, I think it's, I think we're being challenged now to come up with um, like ingenious ways for finding a way to um, solve issues that we have in society. Because clearly the solutions we have, yeah. um, they're either what they're doing or they're just not working at all. Like we talked right. about, you know, with the, 
of the medical health system, for example? It, there's just so much to try to navigate right now when it comes to like, I mean, obviously the entire movement that's taking place and across the entire world. Um, and I think you, like you said, that acknowledgement, like people just want to be acknowledged. Black people want to be acknowledged for the suffering that has been in, induced upon them. And that, and they now want to be acknowledged that it, it's, it doesn't work. And they've been asking to be acknowledged. You, you know, your people have been asking to be acknowledged for this for a long time. And it, the phone just has been ringing and ringing and ringing off the hook, you know? And it's like, we, me as a white person, as a white herbalist, as a healer, as, you know, somebody that, an empath, I feel so much of what's happening. I, I have to find more ways to step up. I have to find more ways because I can feel the pain of the phone just not being answered. I can feel it inside of my cells and it hurts. It hurts so much. And in a lot of ways, like it's not time for me to feel hurt. It's time for me to support the other people that are hurting. And like, how do I do that as a very small herbalist? You know, like I, maybe the answer to that question is I need to call Herb Farm. I need to call Gaia. I need to call uh, Organic India. I need to call all of these corporations and be like, hi, what are you doing? Where's the herbs that you're giving to the community? How can I don't, or, you know, I've supported your business for years. You guys have a lot of money, traditional medicinals too. What are you doing? Mm. You know, because for me, I sometimes I'm like, okay, I have like 13 ounces of rose glycerate. I have like 10 ounces of lavender glycerate. I have like, you know, 24 ounces of Tulsi. I'm like, okay, now I have about 48 ounces. I can go out and share. And that could be like 90 bottles for some people if I do half gallon bottles or half ounce bottles. But like that to me just doesn't feel like enough. There's thousands of people in the streets of San Francisco and Oakland right now. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. how can all of the community show up to these events to support the people that are in the front lines and the, to support the ones that nervous systems are so fucked up from generations of suppression and being ignored? Mm -hmm. We have to hold our... Um... I didn't even think about that. Um, these um, these big herbal corporations, we have to ask them questions. Too. Yeah. Or at least, or yeah, ask them questions. That way, they can clarify exactly where these funds are going. I think the only, right. I think the only um, nonprofit that. I at least know is doing something. I think, what are they called? Um, Herbalists Without Borders. Yeah. They're amazing because yeah. is it them and their headquarters in the Midwest, but they have different chapters throughout the, throughout the world. <laughs> really. Right. Um, so yeah, what they're doing is awesome. So yeah, we need more of that. Yeah. I've honestly been, um, I 
think it was last year, I was really, really moved to um, start a chapter here in Fayetteville, because Fayetteville, it's a, it's a growing town. It was really, it was really small when I was here, but it's, mm-hmm. it's ever growing because we're near, we're near Fort Bragg. So of course it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so last year I really started to dig into um, how to, how to start a chapter here for that kind of support. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think as herbalists, I know in that regard, sometimes looking at that kind of stuff can be overwhelming. I know it was for me, and at that time, I just was not ready to start anything <laughs> or participate. I could yeah. donate. So whatever you can do with what you have, go ahead and do it. That's what, yeah. yeah. So if, like I said, like if you see something or hear of something, because I know not everyone lives in the hood. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if you hear something, um, yeah think of ways or ask ask hey how could i how could i help um how could i help these communities in what they need yeah so um yeah that's what i was doing because i was really like i faced a wall when i had to i had to say i couldn't do it you know that chapter work um but you can start your own in a sense so finding other herbal makers within your town connecting with them so that way you guys can, you know, start classes together um, yeah. just to educate others, um, offering different things, classes, tangible things like products. Um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, and that's why I, I, I mean, that's why I do this podcast or do my podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. because for me like I I'm now three hours north of San Francisco I've just been slowly slowly inching my way further and further away from the city and part of that is because I don't do well in the city I didn't grow up near a city I grew up in a rural area and I wanted to move to the city and I was like whoa this is not my jam and yeah I think as I was saying kind of before like the city feels like the front lines and me being out in the rural area, it's like, how can I directly support the people on the front lines? And so I have to find my local herbalists and and local within like, I guess, you know, a hundred miles down in San Francisco in the East Bay. I know that there are, incredible people doing incredible work but how am I supporting them I'm not (laughs) I I really haven't been and this is making me recognize that that needs to be on my priority list I need to be connected with all of them I need to be asking how I can how I can donate how I can serve how I can you know what plants they're in need of if there are plants I can grow for them because I have land to do that and they don't Mm -hmm. so I have to bridge that gap by just stepping up and doing it because they're not going to find me you know I have to really reach out and find the herbalists that are going into these low-income communities that are going into you know places that are really needing that support and 
ask them how I like what plants they need support with or what you know I want to be making my own vinegar like does that mean I need to make 50 gallons of vinegar a year so that I can offer them vinegar to make Mm. medicine with for free and you know just being resourceful because I also am not made of money I'm not a wealthy person I've always grown up I was in a low-income family pretty much my entire life and I'm trying to create more opportunity to create more money in my life so that I can use it for good but at this point at where I'm at I don't have it but I also don't need to allow that to inhibit me from supporting people because a pack of seeds costs me three bucks and I can grow 30 Tulsi plants with the water that's already being used on our farm, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I appreciate having this conversation because it's really helping me understand what I can do and how I can do it and just to jump into it. Yeah, and I thank you for being open to having this conversation. I think we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of, um, like we said, work in regards to bridging that gap and being lucrative in our solutions and resources. Mm-hmm. I hope you feel very inspired after listening to this wonderful conversation Carly and I had. I know I did after chatting with her and just talking about things that we can do as herbalists. Um, to uplift our communities so regardless of what you of what you do you know whether you're a healer or not regardless it doesn't really matter as long as you are serving your family first and your surroundings your surrounding people your neighbors um, people down the street um, showing up for other people is really the resonating um, theme for today's conversation i think so hope you enjoy um and share with your takeaways with us on social media i'd love to hear from you all and with that being said i will see you next week